Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome into this week's edition of Extra Time, I'm Clay Wilson. Well, mixed martial arts has undoubtedly been on the up and up as a sport in New Zealand in recent years. But that rise reaches a new high point this weekend when the world's biggest MMA promotion returns to Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. No less than four fighters from Auckland's City Kickboxing Gym are set to compete at UFC 253. Not only are they competing, they're headlining with middleweight world champion Israel Adesanya set to defend his belt against highly touted Brazilian Paulo Costa in the main event. The reigning New Zealand Sportsman of the Year is joined by teammates Kai Carter-France, Brad Riddell and Shane Young to see the Kiwi crew making up more than a third of the card. First, let's hear from Israel Adesanya, who's in typically confident mood ahead of his fight, saying he expects the much-anticipated clash to be largely one-way traffic. People say it's a fight of the year, like Dana White said, but that's only if he's tough enough to actually take a beating from me for five rounds. But I just don't think his gas tank's going to hold up. But I'm not downplaying the stakes. I feel like um, for my legacy, it's just the look, the look of it. Like I've said, people are still fooled by muscles and big, you know, juice heads and think, oh, that's what a fighter looks like. So especially the casuals, because the casuals are the ones who pay your bills. Once they see the skinny clown supposedly beat this muscly buffoon and they're like what but the skinny guy beat the muscle guy well how did they how did do that like it's gonna blow their mind especially in this in the fashion that i'm gonna do it adesanya was also asked if his fight which has been in the work from works adesanya was also asked if this fight which has been in the works for months now felt like a big moment for him to be honest uh, not really. I know it's a big fight. I know it's um, going to do well, but no, nah, it doesn't really feel... I don't know if it's because there's no fanfare or whatnot, but, um, and less media, thank God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I feel like it's just another fight, not another day in the office. I also caught up with another fighter from City Kickboxing's UFC stable, Dan Hooker. The fifth-ranked fighter in the stacked lightweight division says he has high expectations for the event. I'm expecting big things. I'm expecting. Uh, I'm expecting four wins. That's something that, that I'm expecting. I think they're all good matchups. I think just from the outside looking in on those guys' training camps, they look incredible. The energy from that side was incredible. Uh, they're, they're obviously feeding off each other, being a part of the same event. Our whole coaching team's going on. A lot of energy went into that training camp, and so I'm expecting. I'm expecting four big wins. And in the main event, there's just a lot of hype around that. And, you know, obviously Izzy and, and Paulo don't necessarily see eye to eye. So where do you see, how do you see that fight going? Because so much talk about Izzy being the tall, skinny guy and, you know, the size of Paulo. So how do you see that playing out? I see that fight being pretty one-sided. I see that fight, Israel Israel picking him apart. I think he's, I think Paulo Costa's too slow. I think he's too muscle-bound, he's too slow, and he's very limited. If you go and watch his fights at, at the, the techniques, he is 
able to utilize is very limited. It's a few punches, a couple of kicks. Like his, his, his arsenal is very limited. You look at Israel Adesanya's arsenal, it is massive. It's got doors out back, it's got down the hallway. His arsenal is huge. And, and when you compare the two, it's difficult for me to see this even being a competitive matchup. Well, joining me now to discuss this weekend's event is uh, Jenna Fabian, one of the many up-and-coming talents on the City Kickboxing roster, and also uh, from Stuff, Marvin France, and RNZ Sports' Joe Porter. Marvin, I'll come to you first. We heard what Dan Hooker was saying there. He thinks it's going to be pretty one-sided, Israel Adesanya's fight. Are you of the same opinion? Well, yeah, sort of. I think I think Costa's best chance is to catch, to catch Israel early in the first, first two rounds, but... I just think if Israel establishes his, his range and, and, and again, you know, if Costa can't get to him, I think it's going to be a long, a long day in the office for the Brazilian. Jenna, what's your prediction for this fight? I mean, it's been talked about for so long and talked about as pretty close. Do you see it necessarily being that way? Or, I mean, is, Israel seems pr- pretty confident and you're used to seeing that from him, but do you expect that that he's going to be too good? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel like he's very much um, of a different prowess and level uh, to, to Costa. And, um, you know, Costa's a beast and he's a very formidable opponent, absolutely, but his style is very forward and robust. And um, um, with someone like Israel, uh, that's very... Um, it's going to force him to bring out all his tools and his arsenal, um, and that's that's the kind of style that um, Izzy really thrives in, um, and and does his best work. So uh, that's how I see it. And now I predict, you know, Izzy will get um, a TKO um, either round two or later on in the round, maybe round four. But I, I see that finishing that way. Israel is just one of four CKB fighters on this card. Um, it's obviously um, a, a huge moment for the gym, Jenna. Um, how significant really is it to have four guys, not only Kiwi guys, but four guys all from, from your gym there on this on a card of this magnitude? Yeah, it's it's huge, huge for uh, City Kickboxing, our gym, and huge for our country and, um, and the sport uh, that's starting to take off and really, um, um, you know, uh, be at a level um, that it is uh, in other countries in the world. So um, those those four men are just trailblazing, um, you know, and a part of that uh, growth in our in our country, um, and you know, have all the support and eyes of of uh, Aotearoa behind them. So um, it's an amazing, um, going to be an amazing weekend for our gym, but also our country as well. So really excited and. We're all, everyone back at the gym, you know, is huge stable. A lot of people that people don't know yet um, and names that are that are brewing and will be um, at that level with the boys soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all 100% behind them and excited just like everyone else. Just to jump on, on that, Clay, if, if, if that's okay, I just don't think you can um, downplay the significance of what City Kickboxing's doing for, this, for combat sports and MMA in this country. I mean, you, you know, like... Even with like Dan Hooker, for example, when he studied, he went overseas. A lot of guys have gone overseas, but I mean, you've got a world class gym here, and, and Jimmy can speak on that as well. That that is, you know, is up there with the best in the world. And and, and all these guys, these up and coming, these um, up and coming fighters, they can just stay in New Zealand. It's right in their own shore, and and you can have world class coaches there taking you to the top. Yes, absolutely, and and that's what's been brewing. 
um, that's been in the pipelines, you know, not just in the last couple of years and um, with the rise of, the, of these these men in particular, but this has been brewing over 10 years. Um, you know, these masterminds and coaches um, behind um, this name and this gym, City Kickboxing, are really um, obsessed and dedicated 200% over anything else in their life, and that's a huge thing to say. So they sacrifice so much to... Um, to 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 the sport and to to us fighters and um, it's yeah it's just a byproduct. Um, the success now is a byproduct of all these many years of brewing and and and, um, and you know sticking together and consistency. So um, yeah, it's just amazing. Joe, we know MMA has been rising in popularity here in New Zealand, and thanks largely to what Jenna's talking about there, what the CKB team have done. Do you think Kiwis in general fully grasp the significance of, of what's going on here? In general, possibly not. No, I don't think the sport has quite reached the um, mainstream appeal or broadness among the Kiwi sports consciousness that um, other more traditional codes have. So I don't think um, Kiwis in general, like you say, the populace, have fully grasped the significance of the level these guys have reached. Um, you know, defending a world championship title and arguably the most popular combat sport um uh, so what you call it, division league, whatever you want to call it, in the world, um, is far bigger than anyone, anything anyone else from this country has done, sort of bar David Tua fighting Lennox Lewis for the World Heavyweight Championship title. So mm. um, it certainly is a massive achievement in terms of what it takes to get to that level, the amount of competitors that are out there trying to achieve the same things. And also, you know, the the... The fact that you need to cut through some red tape, you also need to produce performances that attract the crowd. There's politics involved with, with matchmaking. So to come through all of those things, and you're in the far corner of the world being New Zealand, of course, helped by City Kickboxing having such a strength and a, such a pedigree that, I guess, puts us on the map, like Marvin has mentioned and Jenna has mentioned. Um, but I do think that people possibly aren't quite aware of the challenges that these athletes have had to overcome to reach the levels they have you know, versus some other sports in the country. So no, I don't think they do quite fully grasp what um, these athletes have achieved, but it is it is seeping into the, the, the consciousness of the mainstream sports follower in New Zealand more and more regularly, that's for sure. There's no doubt about Israel, that Israel Adesanya is a household name in New Zealand when possibly even six months or a year ago he wasn't. Obviously, with what's happening around the world at the moment, you know, how hard it is getting live events off the ground. Obviously, there's no Olympics and... We're, we're, you know, we're waiting for the All Blacks to play later this year. But, I mean, I don't think there's been a bigger sporting event for New Zealand so far this year. I mean, mm, I, I, I might be wrong, but, I mean, this is this is massive this weekend. Speaking of how big it is, Israel sort of uh, made some waves, as he tends to do a few weeks ago, and he came out and said um, that he's bigger than the All Blacks. And I th- thought it's a really interesting talking point. And, Joe, you obviously work in rugby. You know what the All Blacks um, stand for and, and the inner workings of it. Um Either way, I guess there's no real way of of, of getting an answer to it. Um, but either way, you sort of have to admire the confidence, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And look, he's got he makes a valid point. On Instagram, 2.9 million followers compared to the All Blacks, 1.7. Bowden Barrett, arguably the most popular All Black at the moment. He's got about 590,000 followers. Adi Savia, 280,000. Dan Carter, a million. So these guys are dwarfed um, in their social media followings by Israel Adesanya. I also believe that being an individual an individual athlete in an individual sport um, gives him, I guess, more recognition on an individual basis rather than players as part of a team. Possibly not New Zealand, where, of course, the All Blacks are like a religion for many sports followers here, but um, among worldwide sports fans, I'd argue that Israel Adesanya is a, is a more recognisable brand than the All Blacks. Um, 
I think that has that brand will continue to grow if he continues to win. And also the fact is that he's much more accessible than a lot of these All Blacks players. He speaks his mind on both social media and to the typical general mainstream media. He comes out and talks about personal experiences. The other day he, he spoke to the Daily Telegraph in Australia and talked about how he didn't realise he was black until he first moved to New Zealand. And the Rotorua, that some of the, uh, the racist experiences that he was subjected to as a young kid, um, not only from Pakeha, New Zealand, but also other ethnic minorities in the country as well. And I think that sort of honesty that openness, it's confronting for a lot of people but it's also incredibly compelling and engaging it gives you a sense of what he's like as a real person, he's speaking to issues that are current in society, he's speaking truth to power and I think those things make him a really, really um, popular um, attractive individual athlete, far more so than the All Blacks who tend to toe the company line, spit out a couple of cliched verses in a uh, post-match or pre-match pre-match press conference and move on without really trying to shake up the political landscape. That's changing a bit. Guys like Adi Savia um, and TJ Pedernada are examples of people who are leading social movements um, as all blacks and as rugby players, but they typically are few and far between. Israel Adesanya, to me, is a much bigger worldwide personality. I think a lot of that comes down to his openness, his willingness to engage in subjects that are a little bit controversial or taboo, and his willingness to discuss personal experiences. He said he got beaten up. It got to the end, a point where he was getting beaten up and, you know, I guess attacked so often in Rotorua that he finally cracked, turned around and gave the guy who was giving him all this grief a bit of a hiding and then ran away and cried. He was that scared of what he'd just done. He didn't understand sort of what was happening. So those kind of intimate details of someone's life, uh, um, you just don't get that in many other athletes. So, yeah, I, I admire what he does in many ways. Yeah. We obviously um, see him in a media sense, but, Jenna, you know him much more intimately than that. How, how is he behind the scenes and... Is it just this, the same guy we see, you know, in the media this week, talking, being confident? Um, is, is, is is that something he exudes constantly around the gym? Yeah, absolutely. His his um, his belief and his confidence is very much um, authentic and 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 uh, genuine. Um, but if anything, um, on a personal level, because um, we're around each other daily, um, uh, he's actually a lot more played down and a lot more. Um, yeah, a lot more, a lot, a lot more mellow, um, and uh, very supportive, very genuine, very intrigued by other people, very inspired by other people. So as much as, um, you know, he's been a source of that for um, many fans and um, many people, many other people that that are around him will get to encounter him. Um, he he draws off other people as well, and so um, he's a, he's he's a huge supportive um, energy in the in the gym. Um, to, to all his teammates, so um, you know he 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 very much is um, a humble a humble person in real life um, and and very genuine. But what we see out there in the media and fight week and whatnot is is very much himself, and he does have a different kind of level of um, um, expressing himself and 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 um, yeah, very very open and honest. And to go back to what you were mentioning before, yeah, he um, his uh, experiences and his openness and willingness to share um, openly with with the public and with people makes him very relatable, very likable, very intriguing, um, and very human. So I think that's um, to to add to that point you were just saying before. Um, yeah, it makes him very popular um, and and uh, across. Um, you know, different kind of demographics, um, not just fight, not just the casual fighting fans. So, yeah. yeah. He also appears to come across as very much on on the same level as the other guys within the gym. You know, we quite often see personalities 
in MMA or, or very successful fighters become, you know, it's nat- naturally their egos are boosted and, and they perhaps become a little bit separate. But he ver- seems very much one of one of the, the team there, there in the gym. Is that how it comes across? I mean, he seems to get just as much stick as anyone else. Oh, yeah, 100%, if not um, made an example of um, a lot of the time. Yeah, um, from, you know, our uh, our main our head coach, uh, Eugene Berman. And so, um, you know, that keeps him very honest and very humble. And he's held, he's, you know, um, we're much as, you know, we're much as given, much as expected. So um, that they, they adhere to that and keep him honest. And also just, um, we've got, like, like I mentioned before, we've got such a stable of people um, brewing and um, and at a high level um, in, in the stables already that um, he's often very much, um, you know, tested uh, and and bedded in the gym um, in different facets uh, all the time. It's it's highly competitive in a, in a really healthy, good way um, in the team. So, um, you know, that, that kind of definitely would keep anyone in check. Just to finish up, obviously Israel's not the only one fighting. We've touched on the three other guys. Marvin, I know you've been covering the the event this week, so just a word on the other fights, one of which you know is pretty close to your heart, obviously, with Kai. So so what can we expect to see from these guys and what's on, what's on the line for them? Yeah, first up, huge a huge fight for Kai. He, Kai Carter France, he's um, his first uh, spot on a main card in a pay-per-view. He's the third-to-last fight, so just before the light heavyweight title fight. Um, he takes He's the number seven ranked flyweight, and he's up against the number nine, Brandon Roy Val. Listen, um, if, if Kai can get a win here, he'll, he'll be knocking on the door for a title shot, definitely a title eliminator shot if he gets the win here. So um, as I said, it's a, it's a massive opportunity for him. Um, then um, the, the featured prelim bout is Brad Riddell. Well, for anyone who hasn't seen Brad Riddell fight, I, I implore you to, to check this fight out. Listen, he's an action-packed fighter. His first two fights um, in the UFC Pretty much stole the show. That was in Melbourne and in and uh, in Auckland earlier this year. Um, he's up against the Brazilian Alex da Silva with a with a pretty good record, 18 and two, I think it is. Um, new to the quite new to the UFC, but still these Brazilians. I mean, you can't take them lightly. You know that they're, they're they're very skilled, well-rounded fighters. And then um, the uh, the fourth fighter on the fourth Kiwi on the card, Shane Young, back after about 19 months out. And and again another. Shane's got a ton of potential. I mean, he's had three fights in the UFC, two wins, and his only loss was against the current featherweight champion and teammate Alex Volkanovski, and that was on short notice, seven days' notice, went to a decision. So, you know, it'd be really good to see Shane, really interested to see how he's come back, um, now he's going to look this weekend. And he's had a, cha- a late change of opponent. He's up against a Slovak Lud- Ludwig Klein. Um, so that's another thing he has to deal with. But, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how Shane goes and, and the rest of the boys. White Ferns Amy Satterthwaite and Leah Tohuhu have had their young daughter Grace in quarantine with the New Zealand women's cricket team in Australia. The White Ferns are preparing for three T20 internationals and three ODIs against the Southern Stars after a six-month break from cricket. Satterthwaite says the littlest member of the touring squad has fitted in seamlessly. It's been a nice distraction in a way for a lot of the, the girls and certainly enjoying um, her smiles in the morning um, to get them going, but... But we've had a, a nanny with us um, who's come into our bubble from the day that we got here and will be with us right until the end. And um, she's actually a local, um, so it's worked out pretty well. And, and she obviously looks after Grace when we're train, training and, and playing. And then we get to spend some, some good quality time with her in between. Were there a few requests to not be in the room next door to you with fears of a crying baby? <laughs> 
Uh, no, they weren't actually. Um, it worked out pretty well in the end. We've got the nanny on, on one side. We're on, on the other side and then the physios um, next door. So I think thankfully none of the players have got that excuse um, if they don't get any sleep. But yeah, look, I think it's all, all part and parcel of, of having a, a young baby on tour and everyone's embraced it really well and I think loving it so far. And it must be a unique situation to have both parents playing and looking after a youngster. Do you feel fortunate or should it be expected for women? Oh, look, I think fortunate on one hand that we've got the opportunity to be able to do this and the support that we've had from New Zealand cricket um, to be able to, to make this happen, I think, um, been fantastic. But on the flip side of that, I think it, um, it would be awesome to see it be the norm and um, you know see more players do it in the future. I know, you know throughout my career I've seen some players retire to have families and they've been um, you know, a relatively young age. So to think that we could have... Hopefully more players feel like they can go and have a family and, and come back and, and not be lost to the game per se would be a, an awesome place to get to. Do you think being in quarantine will affect the performances? No, I don't think so. I think if anything, um, it's been an awesome opportunity and a way to have two weeks together to be able to train. Um, we've been pretty fortunate to have that as a set up and um, be allowed to, to do that. And It's not often you know, pre-COVID that we had such a long period of time together as a, as a group just training. And so I think um, from that point of view, it's been a fantastic opportunity that we've um, been able to make the most of. And the fans have to be respectful of the COVID protocols during the series. How do you think that's going to feel? Oh, look, it's going to be quite different. I think um, it's not something that we're obviously used to and, and just adjusting to that, you know, even the, the changes and no use of saliva on the ball and, and little things that have been probably habits for many, many years now and um, something that you're almost not conscious that you do. So I'm sure there'll be a bit of time where we're having to adjust and, and get used to it. But um, at the same time, it's kind of the new norm that um, we're seeing around the world and I guess what we have to, to do to be able to play sports. So I'm sure you know we'll all get right behind um, the protocols and, and like I say, what we have to do to be able to then have the opportunity to get out and play. And you're straight into the T20s. Are you feeling a bit rusty? I think there'll always be that, that element of you know feeling like we haven't played for a while, but the beauty of it is that everyone's in the same boat and, and neither team has played for six months now. So I think that's a, a positive in a way as we're not coming into the series with one team having played a lot of cricket and, and one team having not. So we're kind of on a, a level playing field heading into it and, and everyone's starting um, in the same position. But you know we've had a really quality couple of weeks training and and really excited about the games ahead and, and looking forward to getting out um, on the park and, and hopefully putting a, a really good performance out there and, and really taking on the Aussies. That was White Fern Amy Satterthwaite speaking with Felicity Reid. More than a year after being diagnosed with depression, the New Zealand mountain biker Sam Gaze will return to international competition next week with a smile on his face. Gaze struggled with his mental health following a crash in South Africa 18 months ago. In 2018, Gaze won the Commonwealth Games title, but says his unsportsmanlike behaviour towards teammate Anton Cooper during the race probably didn't help his mental state. The 24-year-old told our sports reporter Barry Guy the crash last year turned his world upside down. Beginning of last year, I went down to to compete at Cape Epic. I suffered a pretty uh, bad head injury on the first stage there. And yeah, I mean, just... There was a lot of things over the last year before that that were obviously adding up. My disappointment at Commonwealth Games and a few other things, of course, where I felt like I wasn't true to myself. And the cracks opened up, and after the crash, there was the floodgates opened, and uh, ended up having a bit of a hard time last year, sort of figuring myself out and getting myself back to the happy, enjoyable athlete that I usually am. And 
But new team, Philip Rudhoff, uh, the guy who owns Alpha Phoenix, he was he was one of the most important people, you know, along with countless others who just really helped me get back to where I was and supported me when the times were rough. But now it's it's something I look back at and I'm pretty grateful for. Obviously, the result hasn't been what it was or what it could have been the last two years or year and a half. But me as an athlete and me as a person, it's grown a lot through this. And yeah, I'm sure it's something which is going to aid me uh, for the longevity of my career rather than just a standout result here and there. So it was the people that have helped you or was it sort of more the, the thought of uh, getting back on the bike? You know, it's my support network and my close people. Yeah, they really helped me in incredible ways. But when you're like that and in that situation, it's, you know, it stops being about the sport and results sheet rather than just getting yourself back to being healthy. Because, yeah, I mean, it's all well and good getting results. But if a person's not, not right or not healthy, I mean, cycling, like most things in life, wouldn't really matter then. So there's a lot of work that needed to be done internally with myself to reset uh, my values and what I believe in in the sport and to be true to those. But yeah, I feel like now I'm in a, I'm in a good spot and there's no deadline. Uh, with the support from my team, of course, have been amazing. They haven't put a deadline on when things need to be back to how they how they were. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a critical journey to get through to where I am now. So what are, what are sort of your goals? You've got the world championships <laughs> coming up. Is it to be sort of competing at the highest level again? No, I mean it's still early days. Obviously, with the craziness of Corona and everything that's going on with the Olympic year, it's been uh, postponed. So the season's automatically changed into sort of pre-Olympic year again, you know. And so for now, it's building myself up and aiming to be the best possible uh, version or an athlete as I can for next season, and more importantly, the Olympic Games as they go ahead. But yeah, I mean, it's still early days. Um, I don't really have a result-based uh, goal for these World Cups, but definitely a feeling-based. You know, I just want to go out there and give it 100% and... Yeah, race bikes for the right reasons, you know. I mean, shouldn't be any difference between the feeling you have as an eight-year-old kid racing around the house to racing the biggest bike race in the world. It's all the same thing after all. New Zealand mountain biker Sam Gaze there, speaking to Barry Guy. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time. My thanks to Marvin France from Stuff, City Kickboxing's Jenna Fabian and Joe Porter from here at RNZ. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public iHeartRadio and of course at rnz.co.nz Give us a rating if you would, that helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Clay Wilson Mihi moi inai nei Say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.